I'd win a gold medal if fill-in-the-blank was an Olympic sport. This is the Rich Eisen Show. I would be a gold medalist. Hit the music. If two-bounce tennis <laughs> was an Olympic sport. <laughs> two-bounce tennis. Two-bounce two Greater tennis. than two-pump jump. The Rich Eisen Show. Earlier on the show. Rams head coach Sean McVay. Coming up. Albert Breer. Pro Football Hall of Famer Michael Irvin. Plus, co-host of Peacock's Brother from Another, Michael Hawley. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Our number two of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air here in Los Angeles, California. Michael Irvin's going to join us one hour from now. Make sure you hear that because he's got something to fire back in the direction of Stephen A. Smith. It's kind of like our version of a split-screen Stephen A. Smith first take. This is kind of like, what, second take, right? (laughs) Yeah, this is second take. Because Stephen A. had his first take here, saying that he's never had more fun in first take ever than when Michael Irvin was a guest and they were in Dallas, and it was before a big Monday night game against the Tennessee Titans that everybody expected Dallas to win, and... um, they didn't. And <laughs> my favorite part of Stephen A.'s appearance here, and you can go check it out on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. It's dynamite. Is when I pointed out to him that, you know, he said the Cowboys have kind of, what, invited him back to come in and be there. And I'm like, they should they should want you to be there because once you're there, <laughs> this could be the moment, T.J. Jefferson, where the Cowboys actually – achieve something significant with him there and they could actually have an in-your-face moment to his face. To which his response is, that'll never happen. That was fantastic. Just laugh out loud. I mean, haven't you guys figured it out yet? Which is what? (laughs) Stephen A. Smith loves the Dallas Cowboys. He loves them because you would not spend as much time talking about something you hated as much as he claims to hate the Cowboys if he really did hate them. Like, for instance, there's a reality show that you keep up with, right? I don't care about any of those people or anything they do. So you know what I don't do? I'll never talk about it. I don't watch it. I don't click on them. I don't pay them any mind. I treat them like Beetlejuice, right? If you don't want Beetlejuice to come, you don't Don't say his name three times, right? Right. If you don't want Candyman to come, you don't look in the mirror and say Candyman five times. And yet, Stephen A. constantly talks about the Cowboys, which leads me to believe he really loves the Cowboys. That's the only explanation. Is that right? Think about it. I have thought about it, and it's, it's, it's an excellent brand for him to see America's team now since 1995, still in search of their first Super Bowl appearance. NFC Championship game appearance, right? Like, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Been a long time. <laughs> they've, they've had their shine box for quite some time. Hey, come on, Rich. I know, I'm serious, man. Man, just a little Remember bit. Remember so, the last guy that told somebody to get a shine box? No. I understand. Yeah. No, hey. I understand. He well. I know. <laughs> yeah, and he got buried I, twice. I'm just saying, Did guys. Did he just threaten me? No, not me. You didn't tell me to get a shine box. No. I asked how you was doing, Spider. No, I thought you said you was okay, Spider. She was okay. Get your damn act together. I'm just it's saying, Rich. No, it's certainly it's certainly a lot of fun, and it's 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 something he has a lot of fun with, and and I laugh. You know, I'll admit, and I, I I can understand though his distaste for the Cowboys and their fans because a lot of people had the same thing about 
Yankee fans. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think maybe the closest thing I am to a Cowboy fan um, has to be, and feel free to chime in on this and be honest with me, is it me being a Yankee fan and feeling that I've won, my team's won 27 championships. That's a lot. Since, you know, the dawn of baseball But how time. many since you were born? Since I was born, 77, 78, 96, 98. 99, 2000. <laughs> and 2009. And 2009. That's a lot. That's okay. a lot. Okay. So, but it's not 27. Like, yeah, this is the thing that Yankees fans do. They always point to the 27. Well, how many that have you seen? A lot. Great. Not 27. No, it I know. It doesn't matter. But they still, still more than you. Yeah. Exactly. Great. Still more than you. Like, understand. And we didn't cheat. Right. Oh. Jeez. <laughs> So, but I I understand, like, so here I am now since 2009. I mean, it's not as long as a drought since 95. But you're wondering. But, like, uh, where where every year, this is the year. Absolutely, this is the year. And the Yankee pitching staff is like the Dallas Cowboy defense. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, right? No, I get it. And, hey, we're expecting expecting the Dallas Cowboy offense to just be great. And the Yankees were like three weeks in. We're like, okay, what do we got here? Like Judge had two home runs yesterday. I think maybe my Yankee fandom, or is it, this is introspection, or is it my Michigan fandom? Where it's been a very long time. Very long time. And we are everywhere. Michigan fans are everywhere. We are. are. And that's not Michigan. And so, and I expect and have an expectation of excellence that doesn't appear with the consistency that I (laughs) would hope to see (laughs) and wait for it. Hold on a minute. And I also feel regardless of that, there there's an amount of respect that should still be paid. Does that sound like a cowboy fan to you? More than the Yankee fan? Yeah, I think I think throw the Yankee thing out. I think that's more Michigan to, to Dallas in terms of So I I can understand. Like cause you know, Feinbaum is kind of my Stephen A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. When is it he? comes to Michigan. Like he lo- I mean, he's all in on Harbaugh and this and that yeah, yeah. and the SEC kicks their ass or whatever. I'm obviously that's not the language that he uses, but he's all in on Michigan is highfalutin and Michigan is this and that. So I understand when there's an ESPN personality of note with a platform who comes for you mm-hmm. and says your name a lot. I, I'm thinking he's kind of obsessed about us. Yeah. Like, right. But I could at least look in the mirror and say that's still me looking back in the mirror. So what you saying? Stephen A's right. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He's not right. Come on. Well, Irv's going to join us in hour number three. Irv's going to have gonna that set the record straight. I'm positive about you know, this. We can always go to the Mets. Oh, by the way, <laughs> hey, <laughs> Jacob DeGrom, everybody. Jacob Man. DeGrom's Cy Young season has gotten off to a COVID cancellation, <laughs> a 14 strikeout performance with zero runs of support and a loss, zero. and now a rainout <laughs> today. Did I miss any of the first three opportunities of him on the bump this year? <laughs> TJ Jefferson's like, why did I come to work today? 
So that right, the Mets and the uh, the Mets and yeah. Phillies postponed. right are postponed. Yeah, yeah, right. postponed. Going to be made up uh, June twenty fifth. Oh, make a note of that. And then tomorrow's weather not looking great no, either. No. So basically, the Mets are going to score today the same amount of the, the, runs yeah, that they so would they, have they, anyway yeah, with right. the Grom well, on the pound. So yeah, zero. Yeah, so there you have it. All things being equal. Yeah. So we weren't going to score anything today anyway. So well, while we're on the subject. Send a Grom to one of our teams. <laughs> oh, by the way. <laughs> like, Please, put I him out of his Oh, my God. Bring him over. By the way, your Red Sox, have uh, they lost their first three in a row, got swept by the Orioles, and haven't lost since. That's right? never happened in Major League history. First where time, lost right? the first three and won the next it's nine. nine. Right. Oof. We may never lose, just to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. 159 and three. Oh, my gosh. Let's look at you. Season. Look at you over he there. He played the Mets a couple times this year, right? Do we have interleague play still? I don't know. All I'm are... saying is this, is that there is, in the same way that you're a Cowboy and I'm a Michigan guy, I can't wait till one of his Boston teams is the same thing. Oh, I, it's going to be And it's glorious. possible. Hold on a minute. It's possible. Not likely to use the phrase to use the phrase of the information man and woman. Possible, not likely, expected, but not uh, entirely possible. Like all that sort of stuff. Possible, but not likely that out of all the Boston teams that he's puffed his chest out for, that he might be in this position years down the road, like you and me. With the Pats? The Pats. Patriots. But yeah. see, yeah. Patriots. but here's the deal, Brockman. I'm going to stand up for you. It won't matter because you still had those rings. Like, I don't, we had, oh, granted, we haven't won a ring yeah, in 26 years. Yeah, but cut to 25 years. years from now when, when, uh, you know. <laughs> they're not going to be happy. When Cage is home crashing on the couch. Yeah. yeah. No, 25 you know? years, Cage will be starting for one yeah, of these Cage teams. Cage will be on the Pats. Yeah. <laughs> Cage Brockman. Well, he's, he's a linebacker, right? Cage Brockman, or is he a slot receiver? Is he a Wiley, is he a Wiley slot receiver? It's for a pen. we got we got to see what the height situation. He's Gronk. Put him I mean, as tight end. With that name, Cage Brockman, yeah, he, is, could be, Gronk. he could be he could be he could be the main event at WrestleMania way, with that name for Tom Brady's oldest son, who's pushing forty at that point. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. And still going yeah. strong. For Benny, <laughs> Benny still is going strong. Hitting Cage in the on the yeah. team. I will be B twelve. Right? Right, right. I will right. be at the encore pool party with with baby with Cage. Mike's like Jimmy Tom Goldstein, Brady. just yeah. like Jimmy Goldstein, <laughs> spinning records. Yep, I'm mixing the party. The best the DJ encore. in the world. Hey, by the way, would you want to DJ Xander's bar mitzvah? Oh, oh. I'm in. Hundred percent. Of course, he'd want to. This do might that. be possible. Yes. Just throwing that out. Just understand what you just started. No, 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 I don't know. I don't know where we're going in this direction yet. I know there's. I will play the electric slide. Still TBD. That will be part of that. You have to. I mean, that's like. I'm kidding. You're out, Mike. You're out before you. That was so quick. I mean, it was quick. You didn't even give him a chance. I'm joking. Electric slide, dude. These are twelve year olds. I know that. Who are who are probably still wearing black because Disney Radio got canceled a year and a half ago. Yeah. All right, so Taylor Swift, <laughs> little Ariana Grande. Honestly, some of the music that they, like, I, I, I've right. reached that point in my life. They play know. music, and I'm like, I don't know if this is appropriate. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, I once got hired and fired on the same day. Mike got hired and fired in the same mm-hmm. sentence just Did now. It. Cooper <laughs> has a spot. My uh, words, I'm saying. Not my a gold medal performance, My ten year old has a Spotify playlist. Okay. That says good songs, all clean. Like he's got the lyrics that are all clean. Okay. Okay. And I'm I'm Has I'm he, afraid to ask my ten year old, is there another is list? There a hymn <laughs> That's exactly. 
I don't want to go there. Yeah, it's under, you'll soon, you'll, you'll soon <laughs> understand. Don't ask the questions you don't, don't want to know the answer, answer to, Chris. It's in like a folder that says like pictures of animals. It's like it's, 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 it's the unwritten rule of parenting. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you brought that up, Rich. I can remember listening to an NWA cassette, and yeah. I was very smart when I was a kid. I would take all these cassettes I'd listen to out of the stereo before I went to work. Right, work to school. I was still in school, obviously. One day I came home, and my mom and my aunt were waiting on me because I had left a hundred miles and running. Mike, you'll know that oh, the God. NWA oh, yeah. cassette after Ice Cube left, and he destroyed nwa and oh, they came back and there was a particular song that was on there my mom just that morning decided to play put oh. on the headphones oh wow listen to it oh. and then my aunt danzy came over and oh. when i came home from school that day i got to sit down from my mom and my aunt about <laughs> you don't call women this you don't talk to women like this blah 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 you can't believe it. and my mom and my aunt and i'm just sitting there like i didn't record it I'm not singing. I just was listening to it, and probably <laughs> you, you probably... had a register on them. Is that you? <laughs> <laughs> bro? I got I got oh, lit up uh, about this. So my mama, oh, yeah. yeah, and you've turned out great, except for the fact <laughs> if you didn't listen to that music, maybe you'd have been above the fold. I got yelled <laughs> up. True. I got yelled at for the song "Funky Town" <laughs> we'll when I was there a kid. one day. <laughs> what? Funky Town. Above my the... father thought it was saying, "Yeah, jeez, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> And I was like, Dad, no, it's, it's called Funky Town. That's like that's like Cooper, Rich, I mean, with the Bruno Mars song. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. It's like I'm like, Dad, it's Funky that's true. Town. That's I forgot that's about, right about that. that. that was when he was like five, the Bruno song Uptown Funk you up. He would actually walk around the house. He would say hotel yeah. F you up. Like, <laughs> Did you say that? What? I had to sit down with him. Son, that's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. Don't ever repeat that again. Otherwise, you would never do a Super Bowl show if you asked to. And there's no such hotel either. At least not that I know of. There are some. Maybe in Miami. There's the Bristol Hotel in Jamaica, Queens. It's 515. Oh my God. <laughs> where you have to go to the machine to break up a dollar to put quarters in the bed, you know? <laughs> like, like the Griswolds. <laughs> in vacation. Hey, there was a no-hitter in baseball last night. What about that? Almost a perfect game. Almost a perfect game. How about that? Should have been a perfect game. Yeah. All right, we'll talk about that later. Oof. Let's be on time for Albert Breer. I have a good poll about. question, too. Oh, okay, can, so hit it. because no, 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 we got a minute. We got a minute. No, nah, it's going to take a while to set up, so let's just, okay. let's just get to Albert. All right, well, Albert's going to join us because um, I honestly thought to myself, who better to reach out and find out what is going on with Justin Fields and the 49ers' possibility of taking him than a guy who's plugged in the NFL and is and, – and he, he – as much as an Ohio State honk as he is – um, he'll tell you. He'll tell you what he knows. So, uh, what's going on with Justin Fields? Because it was his pro day yesterday. Before Trey Lance takes the stage and gets his pro day 2.0, uh, let's take a break and we'll talk to Albert Breer about what's going on with all of that. That's next on this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. Hey, folks! It's time for the NFL Draft, which means for me. I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. 
you know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So Sleep Number helps me. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed this is the Rich Eisen Show. We'd like to play a game with Chris Brockman and Mike Del Tufo over there. Okay. Where I will read out the facts. They will guess whether it's true meta or false meta, and then you will confirm. Okay, let's okay. do it. First uh, fact is true. Is. During my rookie season with the Chicago Bulls, I applied for a job at Circuit City. True meta or fake meta? I've heard this story. I believe that's true. Mike? I, I, I'm going with him. True. A true story? That's a true story. Woo! That's a true story. Did you get the job at Circuit City? I, I, I did get the job. I got wow. the job. I got my discount. I was trying to stay out of trouble. Okay. And I needed a job. <laughs> Next fact. I wore number 37 for the Lakers because Michael Jackson's album Thriller was number one on the Billboard charts for 37 consecutive nights. <laughs> oh, true meta? No or way. No way. No way. Is it fake meta? That is 100% true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. I knew it was 37 album, weeks, man. but I wouldn't guess. All right, next one. Right That's before his comeback with the Wizards, I broke uh, I broke two of Michael Jordan's ribs in a pickup game and delayed his comeback by three months. I was so upset about it, I didn't leave my house for days. True meta or fake meta? I think that's true. I'm saying true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I love Michael Jordan. My one of my, well, probably my favorite player. You broke his ribs? It was on accident. It was a summertime okay, pickup game, and it was a intense game. In 2010, an art show honoring me was held in Toronto, Canada, entitled "Lovable Badass." Eh, uh, false. True. That's true. Yeah, we have a tie. Oh, yeah. I was surprised, man. I couldn't believe it. It was a really good show. Lovable badass. <laughs> they just said, hey, we want to honor you. I'm like, for what? You know, and they just had all this art. 
of but, me. All right, last one. In 2010, I was cited for driving a race car with an expired registration down a city street. <laughs> oh, True meta or fake meta? Uh, based on his reaction, I'm going to say true. <laughs> I got to go true, too. That's I get true. I get That's true. That. That's true. It was an Indy 500 car. It was fun. What, <laughs> what city? You know, you in uh, Westwood. <laughs> Westwood? <laughs> Westwood. In UCLA? Yeah. yeah, they pulled me over. And, um, <laughs> I mean. But it was street legal. That so, is fantastic. So it was street legal. It was, it was just legal. that you had an expired registration was the issue. The, what happened was the officer was like, what is this? That's why they pulled me over. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, they couldn't say I had my license. I had, was I had it an IndyCar? It was IndyCar, yeah. That's, but it, you know, you're young and dumb. How did you, you fit in that thing? I, I didn't really fit. <laughs> I was real like this and hitting the gas with my one little pinky toe. It was, <laughs> I went, <laughs> it was tough. <laughs> Fun stuff. Fun stuff back in the day. Truth. Meta or fake matter? I think we put that on an Emmy reel once upon a oh, time. Oh, man, too, it's right? so PeacockTV.com to watch us on desktop. Uh, PeacockTV.com to get Peacock to watch us um, every single day between 12 and 3 Eastern time. And the same thing with WrestleMania this past weekend. So many great reasons to get Peacock and stream us uh, every single day and watch us on mobile devices or on a desktop. 844-204-RICH, number to dial Michael Irvin will be joining us in 40 minutes' time to respond to Stephen A. Smith's diatribe in the direction of him and Dallas Cowboy fans everywhere. So that's coming up. Do not miss it. Appointment viewing. In the meantime, let's talk some ball. Let's talk some draft with our friend Albert Breer, who pens the MMQB every single Monday and must-read material for Sports Illustrated back here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you, Albert Breer? I'm doing great. How you doing, Rich? I'm great. Let's start first up, uh, before we get to Justin Fields, um, about Trevor Lawrence and the Sports Illustrated feature on him. Great stuff, yep. great writing, great material. Yeah, Mike did an awesome job on that, absolutely. No question. Uh, I could not help, though, but think, like, what if Josh Rosen said what Trevor Lawrence said or his father or his coach? And what if somebody from Justin Fields' camp or Justin Fields said something like, you know, uh, and it's unhealthy to have a chip on your shoulder, or Justin Fields' high school coach said, you know what, he walked away from it right now, he doesn't need football. Like, I, it really struck me, you know, as yeah. in that regard. Albert, maybe I'm, so, and I'm not, not I'm normally a glass-half-empty type guy. Yeah, and it's a fair question. Um, you know, and I, I would say, um, you know, like if I – if I was another player, like I, I, I'd probably be wondering that. If I'm another quarterback in the draft, I'd probably be wondering that. Um, but I also think it's indicative of how unique Trevor's experience has been. Um, and here's what I mean by that. Can you think of another player who's as smoothly gone from star high school player to number one recruit in the country to star college player, champion at both levels, state champion in high school, national champion in college, to number one overall pick? Well, like, I don't. If you remove the word, I mean, if, maybe, if you remove the word "smooth" from it, I'd say Jameis Winston, who hardly lost. But was, but was, he, but was he number one? The number one high school like quarterback no. in the country? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. No, I mean even like Andrew Luck, and we think of Andrew Luck in that category, right? right. Uh-huh. But I mean, if you look it up, I mean he was still like seventieth or eightieth in the country, like which is outstanding. <laughs> you know, as far as how many kids put. But I mean, it's not number one. The only thing I could compare it to is maybe Peyton Manning, right? Like, like that he was a like that sort of recruit coming out of high school, and um, you know was number one overall pick in the the NFL draft. I, 
I, I guess that would be the one person you could compare it to. Um, and I'm not, I have no idea on John Elway. I don't think recruiting, <laughs> recruiting rankings existed right. back then. My point is though, Rich, like, like it's just who he is. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, like he's had a fairly smooth ride and it's not to say that I've been bumps along the way, but I mean, this is a kid who's always been able to sort of create his own motivation and his own motivation has been to be the best and it's, and it's worked out for him at every turn and he's won championships at every level. And he's been the best player at every level. And so, you know, I, I just think it's maybe a product of how unique this kid's experience has been, um, even to a guy like an Andrew Locker or Jameis Winston, the two examples we came up with there. Like, even with those guys, like, those guys could probably still look up, you know, in their high school class and say, well, they, like, they have their own Brady six, <laughs> right? Like, sure. there are six guys in my high school class that were ranked ahead of me. Like, he never had that, right? So I, I just think that it's sort of, a product of what Trevor Lawrence's experience has been, which very few people can relate to, um, because his experience has been, you know, it's like, again, like just such a unique experience. That was my first initial reaction to this piece and these quotes yesterday. What I just sort of set our question and this conversation up with was an overnight sort of like, huh, like what if somebody else had said this sort of thing? And, you know, uh, and how that would be viewed as a red flag or not into football or not completely ready to compete and things of that nature. Um, But my first initial reaction was, well, I mean, kids hardly ever lost. So why do you have a shoulder chip if somebody's ever not ever looked at the scoreboard and said, I'm better than you. Right. Very often. And now that I'm talking to you also in particular, it's interesting. He's got a coach. His new, his next head coach is going to be somebody who's not used to losing either, and I, right. I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, the two of them, <laughs> yeah. you know, like how's that going to work when both of them, Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence combined, have such? I don't think they lost more than you know together. I don't think their losses even reached double digits. Maybe combined, it's maybe scratching it. What's going to happen by like you know? Week eight in Jacksonville. I know, I know, and like, and in an environment like, like, let's be real here, Rich. Like seven and nine would be a win, right? Like seven and nine, like, like going seven and nine—that's a six-game improvement. You might be the most improved team in the league and have a losing record, right? So, right. like, that's the thing about it is, and I, and I look like that was the main question with Urban, right? Like, was that every loss, and you know, is it Florida and Ohio State? The way every loss crushed him and affected him, um, you know, that was a big question with Urban. Like when he comes to the pros, and you know, twelve and four, eleven and five is an outstanding year. How are you going to handle the weeks where things didn't go your way? Right. Um, you know, and I think Urban's aware too that like it's just a, it's a different deal. You know, like in in college, I mean, one loss can literally, you know, I mean, if you're at a place like Florida or Ohio State, it literally can feel like your season's over after a single loss. So. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. And I, I think it's a fair question to ask, like a kid who hasn't had a ton of adversity and, a, and, and like that's through no fault of his own either. I don't want to make this sound like it's like a, a, of course. a, a shot at him, but he really hasn't had a ton of adversity. And then you got a coach who hasn't lost a lot but didn't handle losing great when he did lose. Um, it's just it's going to be fascinating to see because, again, and I can't emphasize this enough, 
like seven and nine, I think in most people's worlds for the Jaguars this year would be a roaring success. Yeah, it's plus six. That's plus six in right. the win column. I mean, and so, you know, obviously your ears burn. Um, you talk to so many people in the league. What What is the general sense before we move on to the draft uh, uh, of what scouts, coaches, front office executives think of, of how Urban Meyer is going to fare in the NFL? What's the general sense? I, I, I think the general sense is like a lot of it's going to depend on the infrastructure around him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that's from these guys' own experience. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a big job being a head coach in the NFL. It's especially a big job when you've got some say-so over personnel, which Urban's going to have in Jacksonville. And so, like, I, I think a lot of it, you know, is, is going to boil, boil down to how he delegates and, um, and the people that he's hired, you know, and so it's going to be guys like Joe Cullen on defense and Brian Schottenheimer and Daryl Bevel on offense, um, his general manager, Trent Balke. Um, you know, because I, I think there is a feeling that, like, just from a culture standpoint and a program building standpoint, Urban has that. Like, that, that, that won't be an issue. The issue could be if, you know, you're going to be hard charging the way you are, you are in college and you're not giving players results, that's where it can be problematic. And so to get those results in the NFL, generally you have to have really good infrastructure around you. And, um, and, you know, so I think a lot of it, like a lot of NFL people look at it and say, if Urban staff's right around him, like he could be a really good NFL coach. Um, but a lot of it's going to boil down to how good a job he did. And let's be like, I don't, you know, I don't want to sit here and, and start assigning blame before anything's happened on anybody else. Of course. Or, you know, if Urban doesn't make it. Because that's on him. Like, it's his responsibility to have hired the right coaches around him. But I think there is that feeling that, you know, Urban's program, um, which has been successful everywhere he's been, um, in his way, can be successful in the NFL. But it's still only going to go as far as the results take him because getting buy-in from NFL players is all based on results, wins, and giving guys an ability to get rich. And um, getting those results is going to ride – you know, not just on Urban, but a lot of people around. Yeah, some of the NFL people I spoke to certainly um, uh, took note of Urban's uh, statement on free agency where he wasn't yeah. able to uh, vet, interview so significantly somebody's ability to work in his or the team's culture he's about to create that, you know, there's no home visits, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's the, that's as close to recruiting, obviously, you can get in the NFL as free agency. And uh, his comments about well, that. What he's always sold, Rich, if you think about it, right? right. Like, what he's always been able to sell, I, you can't sell it the same way in the NFL. And that's, that's part of the learning curve for him, right? Albert Breer here on the Rich Eisen Show from Sports Illustrated and the MMQB. What is going on with Justin Fields? Uh, where, where did the second pro day come from? Why did it – was it born out of – I ask you a bunch of questions and you can go for it. Yeah. Was it born out of Dan Orlovsky's comments, specifically somebody with the ESPN platform talking about his work ethic, the 49ers trading up to yeah. number three, they'll show at Ohio State. And for Justin Fields, they'll, they'll show the Niners exactly what he can do in their system. Walk me through everything going on with Justin Fields. Uh, no, it was born on. I mean, it was born on the Niners trade. Um, that's what I think it was born on. I, I like, like my feeling is that this happened um, and this came together, and, and it's not just for Justin, but it's for Trey Lance too. On Monday, um, that you know, part of the reason the Niners made the move that they made, and I think they're being earnest. And you know, I'd heard this before they came out and said it. 
Um, they're being earnest when they say the decision hasn't been finalized yet. Um, they wanted a chance to see these guys live. They wanted a chance to Zoom with these guys. They wanted a chance to dig around these guys without having to sneak around to do it. You know what I mean? Like, and if you had waited until like three days before the draft to pull off this trade, you're probably trying to hide all of your intentions. And they didn't want to do it that way. And so a big part of that is going and seeing these guys throw live. And, um, you know, I, I think the chance to get the, the chance to see each of these guys throw live was important to the Niners. So they have a third pick. It's a great situation for whatever quarterback gets plugged in there. So, you know, it would behoove the quarterbacks to, to give those give the Niners a chance to see them. And I think what's really interesting about it, I can give you this little nugget. Please. So the guy holding the, the, guy holding the, the script at, at Ohio State, um, the last pro day was uh, was John Beck, who I know you're familiar with, who's been the throwing coach for Zach Wilson and for Justin Fields through this process, works with Tom House down in Orange County. The guy holding the script this time around was Corey Dennis, who's the, the Ohio State uh, quarterbacks coach. And like my understanding is that script was put together with a lot of influence from NFL coaches and having talked to NFL coaches and a lot of influence from Kyle Shanahan in particular. Huh. And there was there were West Coast and quick game elements baked into the script that, to those who were there, looked a whole lot like what the Niners do. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, for the Niners, this wasn't a private workout. But, I mean, to some degree, <laughs> those aren't allowed this year, but to some degree, it, it had the effect of a private workout because they were getting to see a lot of the things that they would want to see if they had a quarterback in that setting. Did they take requests like you know, uh, <laughs> like a jukebox? Yeah, like or like a DJ. You got any requests, yeah. Kyle? You got anything on the route tree you want to see? Like, <laughs> I'm not sure if they took. I'm not sure if they took requests, but I do think one thing that was that, that, that's sort of interesting that Justin did do. Um, so you know, I think there's some NCAA rules about like who can go run routes for him. So, um, so last week or uh, two weeks ago, whenever the first pro day was. They had um, they had Chris Olave and, uh, and Garrett Wilson running the routes for for Justin, uh-huh. and um, I, for one reason or another, by rule, those guys couldn't do it again. It's NCAA draft rules, whatever it is. So they had to do it with new new guys this time around. So Justin was throwing to two freshmen this time. It's Jackson Smith, Najigba, and uh, and Julian Fleming for the two kids. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is like Justin was like as the workout was going on coaching these guys up on routes oh, love it. and how to run this route and how to run that route. And that was interesting to me, too, just because if you look at Kyle Shanahan's background, it's, it's in receivers. He was a receiver at Texas, right? And so I think getting to see Justin's intricate knowledge of the way that, um, that, the, that the receiver should run routes, the way he wanted them to run routes, um, you know, where Justin's head is with all of these questions that have come up on him, I think it's just sort of an interesting detail and maybe something that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch can take away from the experience. Well, also, too, Albert Breer, is that if there are questions about um, Justin Fields' accountability um, as well as, you know, for himself, as well as towards the team, seeing something like that has got to be a plus. Yeah. What is the real – let's drill down deep. Like, what is the true evaluation of Justin Fields on this front since that has been quite a bit based on – uh, a couple of comments from the ESPN family sure. of, of evaluators and information folk. What is the deal with Justin Fields? Um, yeah, so, I mean, like, first of all, I, like, I really like Dan Orlovsky. Um, I think you know, he's a great dude. He does a great job, you know. So, um, you know, I, 
I think assigning blame here is is tough. Um, and I like and I I think you know kind of what Dan was getting at. Um, those questions did exist. Um, I'd say at least a month or two ago. Um, and and I got them. You know, and probably got them in the same manner that maybe Dan Dan got them. Um, I don't think work ethic's ever been a question with Justin. What I what, where I do think the question. Is is going into him making the transition from being a collegian to being a pro is how he's going to allocate his hours. And Justin, if you look at him, you can see he works in the weight room, right? Like that's never been a problem. Um, and the field work, like I've heard from guys in that program that uh, you know you could come in at seven a.m. and there's Justin throwing to Olave and Wilson, you know, getting extra work in. Like so, I, I think the thing with Justin's going to be. Like, how does he allocate his hours as a pro and reallocating some of those hours into the classroom to get better in that area? Because, honestly, if you look at the flaws and, like, the couple bumps that he had at Ohio State, um, and I think sometimes we overplay those a little bit, but a lot of them related to him playing hero ball a little bit too much because he's always been so physically dominant that he could. Like, he would always kind of lean back on his physical ability and be able to pull his team out Um out of tough spots that way. And so I think for Justin, it's going to be, how do I allocate my hours as a pro? And I think he played in a, you know, I mean, I know he played in a pro style offense at Ohio state. It's just going to be about making progress in that area and maybe putting more hours in the classroom and not that you have to take away from anything else because you're going to have more time as a pro than you had as a college player, but just being smart about the way that you do that. And do you really think, I mean, I know that uh, they, (laughs) I've asked everybody this. So I'll ask you this too, uh, and pardon me if I've already yeah. asked you. I asked it of Sean McVay last hour um, yep. by saying, "I know it's not your house. It's as a matter of fact somebody else's house." But you know, he he knows Shanahan personally, and he he competes with him, and he also knows what it's yeah. like to evaluate at the quarterback position and be aggressive to get the one that you want. So he, I thought he was a perfect guy to ask. Really, they don't know who it is. Like they actually struck this deal. <laughs> By saying, yeah. we're fine with all three. As a matter of fact, let's keep grinding tape. And it's better to be in the position if we have a choice of all three. I mean, like, for real, they don't know who it is? Al? Yeah, I, I, honestly, honestly, I think that at least, I think at least a week or two ago, there was a point where if you ask different people in that building, you might get a different answer on who the guy should be. But they might not uh, know. They might not know like, in terms of being in I, that building. Yeah, and I, I think Kyle, and I think Kyle, the, the, the fact is, like, Kyle's the one who's going to be pulling the trigger on this. Right. So really, Kyle, ha- I think, Kyle, like, this would be my guess. And I don't want to, like, play this off as, like, being inside information. But sure. I, 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 you know, I mean, I've covered the league for 15 years. I know how a lot of these teams operate and everything else. And I, you know, I, I think that, like, for Kyle, it's going to be a matter of I have what I thought at first, and I'm going to go through the process. And I think his dad could be involved in this, too. Um, and at the end, we're going to figure out who the best quarterback is, and I'm going to take all the input, distill it, and figure out what I want to do. I also believe this, like, and, and I've been told this a few times by a few different people. They believe that there are five first-round quarterbacks in this year's class. Huh. So, for better or worse, the three quarterbacks that are going to be in there, like, they went into that trade thinking each of those guys was a first-round quarterback. So, and it's interesting, too, because you bring up Sean, and in a certain way, isn't it almost like Sean just traded Mac Jones for Justin Fields or Trey Lance? What do you What do you mean by that? You're well, the guy with the the, the guy with the guy who's like the kind of 
smart game manager type for right. the physically gifted, like, like, like part of, part of moving, like if you look at like Sean, right? And Sean and Kyle are different. Yes. And obviously Sean and Kyle are very close, but in a certain way, like Sean got fed up with the Mac Jones. So he went and got himself a Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Don't you think that's fair? Well, he definitely soured on the guy who was there. He wouldn't use the phrase of souring. He t- mentioned production. He also was typical of McVeigh, Albert. He took yeah. responsibility of, of something course, that yeah. he did wrong that 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 led to the relationship with he and Goff no longer being tenable when somebody of Stafford's capabilities and abilities and still major upside becomes available. That's the way that he portrayed the end of that relationship. But he also yeah. did say that he he believes that the Niners have absolutely identified one in particular while grinding tape just to be sure. Like he yeah, believes that. Yeah, and I and again, like I think that that's fair and I think that it's like look, like I said, like you hire Kyle because in large part he's great on offense and great with quarterbacks, right? That's why you hire him and you trust that guy to make that decision. Like that's that's that. And so there's one guy making this. I, I think there's one guy who's gonna have the trigger at the end and it's Kyle. And it should be that way. And that's nothing against anybody else in the building. Um I just think it's you know, like I said, like I, I think, you know, what you're talking about, what like and what Sean said there's probably right. Is that Sean that, that that Kyle's got it in his head, like it had it in his head when he made the trade of who the guy's gonna be. And now, you know, he got like he and the rest of the team mm-hmm. are working through the process to either confirm that or decide player A or player B rather than player C is what's best for us long-term. Okay, I know I could tell you're being father of the year while also providing us <laughs> great information. So I do have one last thing to ask yep. you if you're okay with that. Is, cause we keep, Albert Breer, we, we, we keep mentioning Kyle as in Shanahan. The other Kyle involved in this draft at the top is Pitts. And yep. what is the scoop with what you're hearing with him because in my mind, that is the guy who might make the Falcons say, "Yeah, we're not going to choose one of these first-round quarterbacks. Now we're going to we're going to stick Kyle Pitts with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley for Matt Ryan's final window uh, of significant opportunity here, or yep. trade out because somebody else has fallen so head over heels for Kyle Pitts at four. What do you think is going on with him in the draft here? Um. I, here's what I would say. I, you know, I think Kyle, like the way people talk about Kyle Pitts, the way NFL teams talk about Kyle Pitts is a lot like I remember teams talking about Quentin Nelson um, three years ago. Now, it sounds weird because the guard versus the tight end, but like there's universal agreement on who this guy is, which is exactly what it was like with Quentin Nelson. And then the question became in Nelson, like, okay, he's a guard. Do we take a guard that high? And, you know, I, I don't think that the Colts would ever regret what they did. And I think that there are probably a couple teams that picked ahead of the Colts in 2018 that wish they were thinking like the Colts. So I think that's sort of where Pitts is, where he's seen as maybe the best prospect at his position in 15 years, since we're going all the way back to Vernon Davis. And then the question becomes how much you value the tight end, how much you might be getting out of the tight end within what your offense is. Um, and everybody's got to answer that. And for the Falcons, it's going to be about timelines, right? Like if you draft pits or trade down, well, then what are you doing? You're shortening your timeline because you're going forward with Matt Ryan and throwing pits into an offense with Julio and with Ridley 
And, I mean, they've got some good top-end talent there. They need to fill out the bottom of the roster, and they need, they've got depth issues. But they've got, they've got some players there. Um, you know, I, like, if you wind up taking pits, you're shortening your, your timeline. If you wind up taking a quarterback, you're extending your timeline. Mm. And I will give you this nugget to leave you with on that. Yes, sir. Um, Terry Fontenot, their new general manager, I can tell you he has gone out of his way to build a relationship with Matt Ryan. He showed up at a couple events um, where Matt Ryan was at. Um, and on top of that, they've restructured Matt Ryan, which makes it difficult not just to separate from him now. It would make it difficult for them to separate from him a year from now. And so a lot of their actions, just they aren't the actions of a team that's separating, that, that, that's really looking to divorce its quarterback of the last 13 years. Now, maybe a quarterback they love falls them at four, and they say we have to do this. But there are, I mean, there's just, there's been a lot of signs that relationship building with Matt Ryan's been important for Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith. And that tells me that they're at least considering the idea of going forward with Matt Ryan in the short term and trying to win now and worrying about getting your quarterback of the future maybe two or three years down the line. Albert, you're the man. Enjoy the rest of your day and your weekend. Let's chat before the draft. Thanks for the call. Awesome. Thanks, you got Rich. That's Albert Breer, at Albert Breer. On Twitter, I follow him. You should as well. He just said something that echoed the comments of somebody earlier this week involving the NFL draft. We're hearing a theme. We'll take a break. We'll come back with that. Our poll question and more and set the table for Michael Irvin. <laughs> Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Very well known for the evil Cersei Lannister on Game of Thrones, for which we are huge fans. Great to see you, Lena Headey, here on the Rich Eisen Show. Hello. I'm a big fan. I'll just start off the interview that way. I don't care. Just throw it out there. Okay. When you first got the gig, you knew that you were going to live to the walk because of the books. Yes. Is that what you were saying? No, no. David and Dan were like, this is what we have for her. Like, this is where she goes. Um, well, they had the Walk of Shame planned out all the way from Jump Street? Yes. Hmm. No kidding. I mean, those boys are 
very clever. They they had a plan all along for all of us, and it was slow. You know, the reveals were slow, and that's what makes it so exciting. So then, season six script comes. You're flipping through the pages to yes, see if, if, if you've I'm met alive. your maker, right? Then what about the final season? When you got the script, what did you do with that? Same thing. I think all of us were like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm still in. Okay, so which one was happiest by the end? I can't tell you that. Mm. That was a sneaky way of doing that. That was nice. That was so smooth. That was creative. Who are you most concerned from the cast that is actually going to give something away? Okay. But that's good. He's passed the test. What do you mean? You can just butter him up with a bit of booze. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, man. We've got so much around here, too. we got to book him again and just, you know, that's just water in our Get mugs. Get him that are... and I'll tell you everything. I have met the mountain in you person. Have... Yes. He's the hugest individual I've ever met. It's bonkers. Yeah. I, I the be... amount of food he consumes. Well, it's like we have to cut because Hathor has to have his seventh chicken of the day. <laughs> so I'm he, not joking. He dominates craft service? Yes. Is that what he does? He's out I mean, there? they literally bring him like a feast every hour so he doesn't faint. Where are you going to watch the finale? I'm going to watch it with some mates, with some booze. Uh, okay. And just toast off yeah, Cersei. Yeah, say how, what an amazing, amazing nine years. Okay. So Cersei Lannister will be in the finale of Game of Thrones. I think I've just <laughs> learned that. That was so much fun. Man, yeah, we had we had a great run with uh, Game of Thrones characters. Did you see they tweeted out Winter is Coming just yesterday? And they proceeded what? to immediately get dragged by everyone on Twitter. I'm hearing, I read a story that, uh, how much time do we have back on, on radio? Okay. 45. I, I'm reading a story that um, that there is a possibility that down the road, because all the stars have gone in their different directions, they're going to redo the final season. Because as you know, George R.R. R. Martin's book is finally coming out to give his take on yeah. how the you know, tome ends. Up, right. Yeah. Because, you know, they were kind of like, we're waiting, George. Yeah. Where are your pages? And so yeah, it is totally admitting that that the last season, which, by the way, won all the Emmys. They still won terrible. all the Emmys. It terrible. But the fa- terrible. It, it, that the fans thought the last season was less than. Yeah. I read that. I don't know if that's possible. Interesting. No, a redo, a mulligan. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH with our radio audience. You and I are looking at each other. We spent the entire commercial break. Have we determined? I think it was either Charles Davis right. or David or, or Shaw. David Shaw. Yeah. Either one of the two compatriots of mine from the NFL Network and uh, the football world I that's going to be I'm, sitting I'm with me Charles Davis. first night of the draft said the same thing that Albert Breer just said. I know you can't compare an all-world pass catcher with an offensive guard, but... People are talking about Kyle Pitts being a unicorn at the position in the same way that Quentin Nelson was being discussed when he came out of Notre Dame at guard. It's Charles Davis. I'm telling you. And let me ask you this question. I know the Jets went and took Sam Donald, third overall. You know whose position they took was Indianapolis. They traded up from six to three. Indy traded down, got some extra twos, and chose Quentin Nelson. Yeah. Who would you rather have? Now, I know that that's total 2020 hindsight, and yeah. the Jets failed Darnold in terms of surrounding him with players and also um, consistency at the coaching position. But hearing that, though, you got to file it away. If you're Atlanta, 
And certainly, if you are going to hang on to your quarterback the next two years, I take Kyle Pitts and I tell Matt Ryan, LFG. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. If you are committed to this man and you feel that he is the guy and Arthur Smith is your new coach, says, I've got a plan for him, get Kyle Pitts and don't look back. That's my two cents for the Atlanta Falcons. Certainly, since he was on the show Monday, everybody check it out on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show, the entire conversation. He, he, was, he brought his A game, which is engaged, funny, introspective, talking about I'm all about business. You know, my schoolwork is done. I'm now a football player. Let's go. I heard that, you know, and obviously I don't have the private investigative team that an NFL franchise would have to look into somebody's past. And as we know, in the last couple months, somebody's outward approach and demeanor may not be consistent with their private behavior. True. But boy, do all signs point to yes with that magic eight ball, the fourth overall pick. That's what I would say. And I'm serious. I'm not just doing this to stir it up, and I am going to ask Michael Irvin. I would have to consider this as the Dallas Cowboys. If he is the gold jacket talent that Bucky Brooks, who's on Friday's show, he's on tomorrow's show, he, that, that Kyle Pitts is, and he is that guy that everyone's talking about, Quentin Nelson, and you've seen it on tape, and you know the, the, you know the culture set. You know Carson Wentz is going to have that left side of that offensive line settled for him. Okay. okay, you know that. So if Kyle Pitts is that at tight end and Dak's coming back and Zeke's window as Stephen A. Smith is getting smaller and smaller and Amari Cooper is worth $100 million and at some point that might not be tenable in the cap and you got him under contract now and you got Gallup and you got C.D. Lamb and you don't have to give up much more in this year's draft and you could use those positions at defense and you feel that you have gotten that defense solidified just merely hiring Dan Quinn as defensive coordinator, and you can settle that. How do you not try for Pitts? And you know, you know, Jerry Jones has got to sit there, and I understand football's football and defense is defense. How many more Pitts jerseys can you sell than Sertan jerseys? <laughs> you cannot compare it. I'm serious. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I'm yeah. serious. Yeah, I know. How many more eyeballs are going to be on your team? How much conversation are you going to have about your offense? And damn straight, you can win 42 to 30-something in this league. you got to sit here and think about that. And other teams that are within striking distance. Send that godfather offer to Terry Fontenot. But Terry Fontenot, the Atlanta GM, as Albert just said, he's showing up to events for Matt Ryan. And how are you, Matt? Let's chat. Let's, uh, let's get a relationship going. For what? Just so he can uh, start the clock on him no longer being the quarterback in the franchise face? Or do you just say, Kyle Pitts, let's go? I mean, the guy that's the matchup nightmare that is not even applicable to the nightmares and the matchups that he can create, according to David Shaw. What a fascinating talent with five quarterbacks sitting at the top of the first round on top of it with Jamar Chase, too. Let's go. Two weeks from tonight. And now here comes Michael Irvin. Oh, baby. You're putting your hands on your head because you know that Dallas has got to think about this and twitch in this direction. This is a fact. 
and I can't wait to bring it up to Michael Irvin as a little haymaker over the top after he calms down from giving Stephen A the business. <laughs> That's coming up in just five minutes. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen Show coming up. Stephen A. also accused him of having fake hair. Oh, Lordy. Now, I don't know if Irv's ta- heard about that, because I, I called him before. I'm like, you know, Stephen A. Uh, was talking quite a bit about you. He goes, I know. I saw the video. I think he only saw the cowboy one. I don't I know he only- if he saw the 40 minutes of the appearance. I said, you know, he talked about your hair and your suits, too. He laughed. He goes, oh, I know. I don't have the patience to jack with you today. So, uh, Sean Mitchell uh, of the Rich Eisen Show staff oh, has created these no. shots. <laughs> oh, heck no. Just in case. We need to see what Stephen oh, A. believes oh, about her. No, oh, that's that is so the audacity. Good. I mean, he looks like he's going to tell me the news at six <laughs> in like. It's a good one. <laughs> Seriously. Oh Do you have the other one, too? I think he created just in case we want to use it for him being on the phone. I, mean, I think he's, I think Sean just, he just went to town. And like the whole. And look, Sean's part of the Bald Brotherhood, uh, bald brotherhood yeah. so he's in. He was in the Bald Brotherhood commercial. Oh. He's in. For the radio audience, Sean Mitchell gave Irv a George Jefferson. I was going to say, I George mean, Jefferson. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There it is. Oh, he's, co- oh, he's secretly a member of the Brotherhood. Coming up at 6 p.m. <laughs> it's, right. it's not right. And as a member of the Bald bro- bro- Brother, it's not right. I don't believe. I see Irv oh. up close and personal. I, don't, I do not believe that that is uh, anything but just him growing it out. Did he have a little, uh, you know, Nothing. Enha- like Dion enhancement? Yeah, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so at all. Rich, I may have DM'd Irv. Honestly, I'm, and I'm, I would love to have Irv as a member of the Brotherhood. That would be a strong get for us. <laughs> I may have DM'd Irv on Instagram last night to let him know that... Uh, that, er, that, that Stephen A. said this about Stephen him? Stephen A. was talking bad about him. I about may his have. hair? Did you bring up the hair? I didn't say what it was. Because he dropped that. That was a mic drop going out the door. That was after 40 <laughs> minutes of abuse. Like, seriously. Like, it was almost like Nolan Richardson's Arkansas Razorbacks, 40 minutes of hell. <laughs> And then he dropped the mic about that. And we that didn't left. see it coming. It was just out of nowhere. Like, jeez, <laughs> that like tell us what you think. Fire, like, whoa. Oh, and another thing. <laughs> Suits one thing, but to go after another man's hair. Oh. Trust me, I know. Whew. That shot is pretty. By the way, Mike, that might be one of your best lines in a long time. Looks like he's telling us the news at six o'clock. Like he's coming up at six. It's Michael, Michael Irvin, Irvin, live, local, and late breaking. I mean, he's in a helicopter. His hair's live, local, no, no, no. and late breaking, according to Stephen set. A. He's on set. There it is. Come on now. Come that's on, that's not... real, baby. He's Michael Irvin, everybody. Wow, I, mean, oh, <laughs> I think we've set the stage. Oh, Lord. Oh, <laughs> 